you have your Bibles, will you please turn to them to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, it can be found on page 978 in the Bibles in the chairbacks. This morning we will be looking at walking as children of the light. Ephesians 5 verses 8 through 14, we're continuing in this journey of this second half of the book of Ephesians where we are being taught what it means to walk with the Lord. What does the Christian walk, what does the Christian life look like? And so this morning we will be looking at walking as children of the light. Next week we'll finish off chapter, uh, we'll finish off verses 15 through 21, looking at what it means to walk in wisdom. And then after that, you may notice in Ephesians 5, we will get to Paul's very poignant instructions for the church regarding marriage. And so we'll begin a mini-series on marriage, looking at what is a gospel-centered marriage according to God's Word. So we're looking forward to that. This morning now, if you will please follow along with me in God's holy Word to us this morning, Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 14. For at one time... You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of these things that they do in secret. But when any, anything is exposed by the light, it, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. Father, this is the message that we read now and that we have heard from you, that you are light, and in you there is no darkness at all. And so help us, Lord, help us to walk in the light as you are in the light. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul begins this section that we're studying this morning in Ephesians with an image, with a with an illustration, with a, with a picture that most everyone can understand, most everyone can relate to, most everyone has this concept of darkness and light. Darkness and light. Darkness especially has profound meaning for Bible readers. It has meaning for God's people throughout all of time and history. Think about these things, think about these events that have taken place throughout the history of the world that, with regards to darkness. In the beginning, there was darkness. When the rains came and God flooded the earth in the time of Noah, there was darkness. When Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let God's people go up out of Egypt, there was darkness. When Yahweh God descended upon Mount Sinai 
there was darkness. When Christ was crucified, there was darkness. But just as darkness is a somber and serious manner throughout history and throughout the times of the scriptures, so is light. So is light. Light is that bright ray of hope. Think about these things and the, these events with regards to the light. When there was darkness, God said, let there be light. And there was light. When the flood subsided, there was light. When Christ rose from the dead, there was light. In the scriptures we read, in in heaven there is no sun because Christ is the light. He's the light of the world. He is the light of heaven. Light and darkness, they're meant to evoke a response in us, a, a stark contrast. And so the Apostle Paul begins this section with this stark contrast of darkness and light. And just like these stories, just like these historical events remind us of this great contrast between light and darkness, so we too, apart from Christ, we were in darkness. We were separated from God. We were cut off from the light. The Ephesians told us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But now in Christ, Paul says, we are light in the Lord. So again, the apostle here is is pastoring, he's shepherding, he's teaching the Ephesian Christians. He's talking to the church here in Ephesus. And so these instructions for the local church in Ephesus are good for the local church in Huntsville, Alabama. And we're being reminded That you are now light. Therefore walk as children of the light. Because this is the way that those who are in Christ are to live. They are to walk as children of the light. And so by way of reminder again this second half of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapters 4 through 6. We are finding this very clear very concise treatment of, of what it means to live the Christian life. These are very practical applications on how we do the Christian life. And so there were some key summaries that are given to us in the book of Ephesians to explain to us what this looked like. Back in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, the apostle said, we are to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And then in verse 1 of chapter 5, we are told we are to imitate God. We're to walk. With God, We're to to imitate him. This is how we follow Christ. This is how we live in a godly way. And we saw that to be like Christ, to follow him in in chapter 5, verse 2, we're called to walk in love. We're called to walk in love because God is love. And Jesus demonstrates this love for us in the gospel. With his great love. 
And so now in verse 8, in this passage before us, we're called to walk in light. To imitate God and to pattern our lives after Christ, then we must remember that at one time we were darkness. But now we are light. And we're called to walk as children of the light. So that's it. That's what we're being taught this morning. That's the proposition before us. Christians are called to be light and are called to walk in the light. So this passage is going to teach us how to do that in three ways. The first is we're called to walk in light by pursuing the fruit of the light. Secondly, we're called to walk in light by knowing the dangers of participating in the darkness. And thirdly, we're called to walk in the light by manifesting the light. So let's look at those three things. The first is we're called to walk in the light by pursuing the fruit of the light. Look in verse 9. He says, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, Paul says. This is very practical Christian living here. Here are very practical instructions that we're being taught here. We are, we're commanded to walk in the light. This is not an option. This is not just a concept. It's, it's what we're called to do. It's how we're called to live. And light represents for us, as you know, just from common knowledge and from reading the scriptures, that light represents all that is good, righteousness, truth, goodness, holiness. All of these things are light. We know these things by the grace of God. We, we know these things because God is these things. We pursue these things because this is our calling to walk worthy of our calling in Christ. Pursuing the light, pursuing light is what it means to imitate God. And so Paul actually gives us some directives here for what walking in the light looks like. And it looks like pursuing the spiritual fruit of the light. He said it is found in all that is good and right and true. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. These are the fruits of the Spirit. These are the supernatural, Spirit-born characteristics that we are to exhibit. These things are of God and they're from God, and so we're called to pursue them. Especially in stark contrast to, he says in verse 11, the unfruitful works of darkness. Rather, we're to Pursue the fruit of the light. So do you want to walk in the light? Do you want to be in the light? Do you want to be a light? Then pursue what is good and right and true. The word here for good means generosity. It represents our calling on how we're to treat others. We're to Love others as we would want to be loved. We're to give to others. We're to be good to others as we would want it to be done to us. The word here for right 
We're to pursue the fruit of the light by pursuing what is right. It means to show justice. It means to show fairness in our treatment of others. The word here for true, it means that we are to pursue what is truthful, what is faithful, what is right. Another way of summarizing what pursuing the light looks like, I think, is best found in Micah 6.8. Perhaps you sung that verse as a child. I think we should probably start singing it here more. We're instructed, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice. And to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. This is what it means to walk in the light, to pursue the fruits of the light. But ultimately, we pursue the fruit of the light by asking ourselves this simple question. Look at verse 10. This is a a simple statement, yet profound for the Christian life. Is this pleasing to the Lord? How do we pursue the fruit of the light? We ask a question in everything we do. Is this pleasing to the Lord? What a great question. What a wonderful way to examine ourselves. But I think it's easily lost today in Christian living. We don't ask this question of ourselves. So when Paul says that we are to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, what he is saying is that to be a faithful follower of Christ, to be a Christian, we're called to practice spiritual discernment. We are to discern what is good and right and true. We're we're called to practice godly wisdom with our daily lives. The, The entire book of of the Proverbs is is dedicated to this, to how do we use spiritual discernment? How do we walk wisely? This is what faithful, godly living looks like. It looks like living your lives in such a way that everything you do is to please the Lord. And this has huge implications for how we live our daily lives. Are we pleasing the Lord? Questions like, should I get up and go to church today? Do I need to take that new job? Should I cheat on that test tomorrow that I haven't studied for? What about my attitude toward watching my favorite football team? You know, is it pleasing to the Lord? Are are we pleasing the Lord by how we live our our daily lives? Are Are we asking that simple question with how we live our lives? We we walk in the light by pursuing what God calls good and right and true. This is how we please Him. This is also why we must be people of His Word. This is why we must know his word, read his word, meditate on his word, so that we can know how to please the Lord. His word teaches us this. 
But there's a warning that we need to heed here. A warning is necessary here. Because we are now living. It's not something in the future. It's not something in the past. It's something right now. We're living in a day and age, and especially in America. That's where I live. That's what I can speak to. Where our, our culture and even our country is actively pursuing darkness. We, we live in a day and age where pursuing what God calls good and right and true, if you do that, it's going to cost you something. If you're going to live your life in such a way to please the Lord, it is going to cost you something. You may be persecuted. You may not win that contract your business is working on. You may be called a bigot. You are probably going to be told that you are living on the wrong side of history. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to give up something? Are are we willing to let it cost something like our pride? Maybe our finances, maybe our reputation. Are we willing to do that to please the Lord? To walk with God means that we live a life to please Him. And it is not easy. We must walk in the light. The second Instruction that we're given here for walking in the light. We walk in the light by knowing the dangers of participating in the darkness. Look there in verses 11 and 12. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Darkness in the Bible is representative of that which is evil or immoral or sinful or wicked. And sometimes the darkness even represents judgment. But Christians, followers of Christ, are strictly warned here that we must not take take part in the darkness. Because Jesus very plainly says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. To be in Christ is to be in the light and not to remain in darkness. But I think we all know from experience that we cannot completely avoid the darkness. There's no way to completely shelter ourselves or even our children from sin. Because daily we are faced with it. So what do we do when the darkness comes? What do we do when sin is knocking on our door? Paul instructs us to expose it. We are to expose it. We are to expose the unfruitful works of darkness. I can remember years ago, we lived in Pensacola, Florida, 
And the young man I was discipling came up, came to me one day and said, he was very, very troubled. He was a very new Christian. And he said, Pastor, I, I, I went to, to, have, to go shoot pool at a local pool hall with some of my friends. And there were some people standing out front holding their giant King James Bibles and yelling at me and telling me if I go in there, I'm, I'm a sinner and I'm disobeying God. He was, he was distraught. He was confused. He just wanted to go shoot some pool. I think that story is representative that for too long, Christians have misinterpreted and misapplied this teaching to expose the darkness. Because this, this call to expose the darkness is not, a, is not licensed for a Christian to be rude and hateful toward others. It's just not. It's just wrong. God does not call us to yell and spout hateful speech toward unbelievers. Rather, we're called to live by, I think, this simple paradigm. We are to, we are to hate sin. But we are to love sinners. We are to hate sin, but we are to love sinners. And so I think exposure here to the darkness means, exposing the darkness means that we are to apply the word of God by correcting sometimes, by rebuking sometimes, but ultimately by training in righteousness. What, what do we do when our children disobey us? We don't yell at them and tell them they're going to hell. We say, hey, that's, that's not honoring to the Lord. God calls you to honor your mother and your father. We don't ignore evil, but we take great care to expose the works of darkness because it is not of God and not of the light. But we must remember it's not license for us to be hateful. Rather, we, we shine the light. We shine what is right and what is good and what is true. And this is why we must speak up on evils that the church, quite frankly, is too silent about. Evils like abortion and murder and racial discrimination and sexual immorality. Because these are the unfruitful works of the darkness. And this is what light does. Light exposes darkness. But we must be careful here. And we must heed the warning in verse 12. That we do not fall or participate in darkness. Because it is shameful to even speak of the evil things done in secret, Paul says. Darkness hides in the shadows. We must be light. And we must be in the light while we speak of the deeds of darkness. Paul is not telling us to go participate in the darkness so that we can be a light. Rather, we shine the light from the place of the light into the darkness. 
There's no license given to Christians here to participate in darkness and, and call it that we're just trying to be a light. We have to be careful. We have to use wisdom and discernment. So thirdly, we are taught here to walk in the light by manifesting the light. We're called to be a flashlight. The exposure that Paul speaks of not only describes shining light to illuminate the darkness, but there's another function of being a light here. And light often illuminates something so that it can transform it. I spent a lot of time yesterday fulfilling my creation mandate in the yard. And I spent a lot of time pruning and, and clipping and, and trying to get things to grow and to green. And, and what do plants need in order to grow? They need light. Think about that for ourselves, for us as human beings. We, we need light. The sunlight, it just makes us feel better. We need to enjoy this last bit of sunshine, beautiful days, because winter is coming. Light has a, a positive effect on our mood, on our de- demeanor. Light, it transforms. So here, exposure does not mean that we are to be negative or judgmental or condemning toward others but rather we are be a a light by pointing people to the true light that's the goal by shining light on the works of evil on the works of darkness the goal is that others would see the ugliness of their sin and would see the awfulness of evil and that they would turn to faith in jesus christ Jesus was very clear in his mandate to us in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That is why we are to be a light. That is the purpose of us being called light. We are to bring glory to God by Shining our lights and pointing to him. It's him. He is the light. We walk in the light because God is light. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. So here we have the two purposes for our calling to be light. We are to make the the one true light. That is Jesus. We are to make him visible. And we're to be a light by transforming the darkness into light. This is how we walk as children of light in a world that loves darkness. Last, look with me there in verse 14. Maybe you notice in your Bibles that these three lines are kind of separated out because they're a quote. Paul is is referencing something here. And quite frankly, we have no idea what he is referencing. Bits and pieces of these words are found in Scripture, but not all in one place. 
So many scholars believe that Paul here is quoting a, a hymn that the early church sang. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Maybe we should put that to a tune. I like it. But these, these words, they are a very vivid picture of what this whole light and darkness paradigm looks like. Look at what they convey. What these words convey is very illustrative of the way that we were apart from Christ. We were asleep. We were dead. We were in darkness. And now Christ has rescued us from all that. John Stott says that conversion is nothing less than a waking out of sleep. Rising from death and being brought out of darkness and into the light of Christ. No wonder we are summoned to live a new life in consequence. Christ has done all of this for us. No wonder we're called to be a light. So let me ask you this morning. Are you walking in the light? Perhaps the bigger question for some of you this morning is this. Do you know the God of the light? Do you know the God of the light? Jesus very clearly said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus, who is the light? May God help us to walk in the light as he is the light. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we want to be in the light as you are the light. We want to shine like the stars in the heaven. We want to be this city on a hill. We want to let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and not tell us how awesome we are, but see how awesome you are. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are the light of the world. And so help us, empower us, we pray, to walk as children of the light. In Jesus' name. Amen.